welcome to episode 44 of our Brooklyn Bites. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. And did you play anything this week? Oh, I played things. I well, actually played one major thing. One major thing. Mm-hmm. Played a few things this week. You did too, huh? Yeah. Amazing. Played a game called Amagon. Amagon? On the Nintendo Entertainment System. No way. Did you ever hear of this one? I've heard you mention it. Why, I, why did I mention it? I, I think you said it was a bad game or something. <laughs> Probably. It's from American Sammy, uh-huh. which I believe are owned by Sega now, right? Uh, Did they gobble them up? I th- it might be the other one. It might be Sammy is the parent really? company. I think so. Yeesh. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Amagon is, is not a great game. It's uh, The only reason why it always stuck in my head, um, I remember reading about it in Game Players back in the, I guess it was the late 80s. Mm-hmm. It was on the cover, or, or I think it was featured on the cover of Game Players. And... Um, it looked the, the graphics looked pretty good for an NES game in the still shots, but um, and, and it's a little similar to Altered Beast in the sense that you start out as like this wimpy dude and then you collect like this power pellet thing and he grows into like this strong muscular. In Japan, it was a different title of the game. Uh, I forget what it was called, but when you in Japan when you turn into the muscular dude, he's called mm-hmm. like Macho Man or something like that. <laughs> really. Yeah, so you're just so like, this like... This is like a Charles Atlas kind of a thing, where he's like a skinny, wimpy dude, but then he gets the workout tape, and then he becomes like yeah, Charles, becomes Charles like, Atlas. Right, right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's just a side-scroller platformer, and you start out with a machine gun, you have a limited supply of bullets, and when you find this you know, power pellet thing, you grow into the strong guy who becomes like semi-invincible. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a health bar at this point, and, uh, but it's a pretty healthy health bar. Um, you don't have a machine gun anymore, you just use your muscles. You just pound your way through the levels. Hmm. Oh, it's just not a good game. It's, I, I so why'd you want to play it? I like to explore like <laughs> things from the past sometimes mm-hmm. and, and say, like, well, no, let me go into this with a new attitude and see. Okay. Because sometimes you can play a game on a bad day and it just seems mm. like a bad day, but a bad game. But See, now, you know me. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an NES neophyte. Yeah. So I could have potentially stumbled into a game like this unprepared. Right. So would you would you do you recommend this game for no. me? Do you think I should go and see what the no. what the fuss was about? No, it's not even like <laughs> worth it just to like say, Oh well it's kinda of funny like how this happens or mm-hmm. it's there's nothing redeeming about it. No. Mm, harsh. Stick with Altered Beast if you want a good okay. man turning into other things kind of I game. <laughs> okay. Uh, I played another game on iOS called Scrappy Cat. Hmm. And this is a I guess like an auto runner, you would say. It's one of those like difficult kind of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to tap the screen to to make your cat jump. Right. And because it's always running in one direction, if it runs into a wall, it will turn the opposite way. So you can't move left and right. You're, you're in the mercy of one direction with this. Mm-hmm. And if when you jump, you can actually grab onto things. So if you jump against a wall and you hold down the... if you When you tap, you hold it down... It'll the cat will cling to the wall, and then as soon as you let go, the cat ricochets and, and then jumps off. Mm-hmm. And and that's how most of the game is done. There's walls that like move up and down, and you know there's like spikes and blades that run by. And it's a lot of this game is all timing. If you ever play like something like Dragon's Lair or something, you know you'll a lot of this game is just memorization. Like okay, I have to remember the timing of this, and it's it's jump grab onto this, hold on to it, jump. Mm-hmm. So, I like this game. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It's kind of short. about 20 levels. Oh, you got through it all? Um, up to the last level. Mm. 
Yeah, the the one complaint I have about it is it's ad driven. So after like three times you die, um, you have like a health bar. Cat has nine lives, but <laughs> you really only have you start with three. Mm-hmm. And every time you clear a level, you'll get another life bar. But once your life bar is gone, then you're back to three again. Mm-hmm. So after three deaths, then you have to watch a commercial. Mm. That's the only downside. So, um, and there's no like pay to remove ads option or anything. Hmm. So you have to kind of deal with it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it so much. It's just in a game where you're dying like a lot, you know, you can <laughs> right. die like 10 or 20 times on a level. It's just like sort of, uh, I just want to like play the game. I don't want to watch a commercial. It puts too much of a speed break on the action. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish that mm-hmm. there was, um, some kind of pay mechanic to get rid of that. Mm. But, um, I didn't, you know, I only felt like it got harder in the last five levels of the game. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I saw a little bit of it. I saw a little oh, bit. Are you watching play it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it looks, it looked interesting. I kind of like that style of game. It looked, it reminded me a little bit of Super Meat Boy in the sense of, you know. All those games have that. Yeah. It's like, you know, very carefully timed jumps and, mm-hmm. you know, you sort like of. sliding you, down. The, the chains in that that you grab on look like from Donkey Kong Jr. Mm-hmm. The same, like, art style of chains. Right, yeah. It just a lot of precision platforming and time jumps and mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of wall jumping to, yeah. get, to get up to new levels and stuff. A couple of, like, weird hit detection spots mm-hmm. that I felt like I shouldn't have been dying at, but it was saying it was dying, but who knows. Okay. So that was Scrappy Cat. Scrappy Cat by Toadbo. And I also played... I've been playing this for a couple of weeks now. Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure a lot of people already have heard about this game. Hot new game. Uh, sort of. It's actually based on an older game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a sequel to the original Rocket League game. Yeah, it was titled something else. It was. Yeah, it was a very long title. I don't even remember it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I think it's on PS3? Right. On the PS3 store. Yep. I'm not sure it was even a retail release. I think it was just a download. Mm-hmm. But um, I never played that one, so this one I was going into this brand new, and the reason why I really played it was because it was part of the free games of the month with PlayStation Plus. Yeah, right. And so that's uh, on PS4. Yeah, PS. I think it's just PS4 and PC. And PC. PC right. is not free though. You have to right. pay for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the gist of this game is you're in an arena with cars, right? Either one on one, two on two, or three on three. And it's, it's, I guess you would say it's soccer. Right. But you're using a car instead. Uh-huh. Um, Big giant ball. It's like a giant beach giant, ball. Giant, yeah. Definitely larger than your car. There's a whole bunch of different cars. There's an exhibition mode, a season mode, uh, and then online play. And online play seems to be where um, most of the excitement's coming from, mm-hmm. from people playing this. Right. Uh, I did I did some online play in the beginning when I first started, and uh, I guess I didn't understand the game that much right. in the beginning. And the, and the moves were kind of new. Yeah, yeah. Mm, so you have to quite. really... I had to go back and play through the tutorials to really understand mm-hmm. how this game... So in the beginning, I didn't really... I don't know if I... I don't know if I didn't, I didn't really hate the game, but I was a little frustrated because I didn't understand what was going on. And, like, I saw, like, the other team's getting balls in their own goal and stuff and weird weird stuff so then once i learned the tutorial and the aspects of the game it made more sense plus i'm not a big sports game player mm-hmm. so um you know i don't follow that stuff i'm not you know i don't really yeah i mean it's sort of it's based on a, a sports it's loosely title, based but yeah it's, yeah you'd have to have some interest in it i guess 
Um, the graphics are not that great. You know, it's definitely something you would see on a PS3 mm-hmm. or even a mobile game. But uh, it runs generally in 60 frames per second, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a nitro button to do like extra super boosts. And uh, these nitro things you can pick up on the play field. They mm-hmm. just constantly regenerate as you're playing. And then you have the X button, which does like just quick jumps. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the equivalent to your jump button in a soccer game. Um, it has this like physics kind of engine where you you know you bounce up to hit the ball. You know the ball like will get like kind of spiked. You spike the ball and your car like flips around. You can rotate. You can even drive uh, in this on the ceiling because you're in like this dome arena. <laughs> the arenas are all the same. They don't change right now. Have you successfully done uh, that? Driven on the ceiling? Yeah, yeah, you can. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten it where. I think I made it all the way around from if you drive like up one side, not not on the long way of the field, but like on the short way. Mm-hmm. If you drive, and if you do it right, you can kind of you can go all the way around and come out the other side. Crazy. Um, but there's really no point in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't think there is. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the things I noticed, especially playing against the PC, is uh, or against the CPU, I should say. Yeah, the computer is kind of dumb. And when you're playing, you're basically doing everything yourself. A lot of the goaling you have to do yourself. And you have to always be the goalie mm-hmm. when you play with a computer. Because a computer will never go into the goal to protect the net. So you have to... That When I always play, I always like stay back and um, you know make sure the ball doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. It has really great control. That's one of the nicest things about this and probably the reason why it's so popular. One, I think the L button goes forward, R button's reverse, or vice versa. And it just feels really tight, the controls. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten a good grip on the controls, because initially yeah. it was a bit uncertain <laughs> It's still tricky. The, the trickiest part is lining up your shots, mm-hmm. because you'll be, especially when, if you're playing center and the computer or the CPU is on the right-hand side, and you're waiting for that ball to pass in front of the net, you can't wait until it passes in front of the net, you don't have enough time. So you kind of have to sort of get a gauge on when the ball is starting to move, and you move forward, so you kind of line up your shot at the same time. Right. And it's not that easy to do. It's mm-hmm. a lot harder than you would probably imagine. And then on top of it, when you hit the ball, you have to be at the right angle that the ball is going to go straight into the net. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's, that's still a really tricky part. And then also, if you really want to succeed in this game and play with the pros, you have to learn aerial shots. Uh-huh. Because a lot of the time, the ball's in the air. And if you're playing with a team that is good at aerial shots, you're going to be lost because they're going to be playing... Right. They're going to constantly nitro boost in the air and hit the ball, and you're never going to have a shot because you're going to <laughs> wait for the ball to drop, and it's just not going to happen. So that's not that's not going to work. No. Just hanging out, waiting for the ball to come down to your level. It, yeah. You have to go up and meet the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's... And that's pretty hard. It's a trick, hard thing to learn. Sure. The aerial moves. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. I started out as... I started out as a rookie... And I'm up to semi-pro now. Uh, I haven't played in a week, so I'll probably go back to it. I don't want to burn out on the game yet. Right. Space it out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I only sampled it a little bit, and I have to really uh, get in gear (laughs) and check it out. Yeah, I mean, if... While it's hot. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say everyone's going to like this game, but it it reminds me of, like, RC Mm Pro-Am, but with, like, an arena sports game. Right. Right. It has a, an addictive quality to it. The matches are super quick, like maybe five minutes, maybe at most. Mm-hmm. So it's good. Quick turnaround. Uh-huh. Very quick. The goals are fast. There's no like nonsense. There's a lot of upgrades. 
a lot of a lot of uh perks and rewards different cars and yeah skins for your cars tires flagpoles, holes hats yeah <laughs> some interesting hats a little customization and a whole lot mm-hmm. cool yeah it's a cool game i like it i think that if it wasn't f- like this is a case where if this game wasn't free and i talked about it last week I probably would have never played it, yeah. and I don't think I would have spent the money on it, because it doesn't look that great when you look at pictures and stuff. Right. But it's when you actually play, when you're like, wow, this game's pretty good. So, um, yeah, if this was for sale, I probably would have never bought it. But mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, now I'm like, oh yeah, I'll definitely buy this game, because it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Weird. sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's you either have to know you like these type of games, or mm-hmm. you just have to have someone put it in front of you so you know what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But yeah, I'm, I haven't played online in a while, too. Now that I've gotten, like, semi-pro, I haven't touched the online games. Mm-hmm. I might go back into that. So you've been using the, uh, the offline, single-player single mode as, like, kind of a training ground. Yeah. Just to get, I went know, through a season. Get your chops. And, like, in the season, I was behind... I think I was, like, 0-7. and seven. I could not win a game in the beginning. But if, as soon as I started to learn that I had to start protecting the goal and be more aggressive... Like hanging out in the center and, and shooting the right shots and stuff. Then uh, I got better and I finished first place. After it came down to the very last game, mm-hmm. it was a tie for first and I, I won first place. So, yeah, very nice. It was 20, 27 week game, I think it was, or a twenty seven <laughs> game season. Uh huh. Cool game. Hmm. PS four or Steam. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's been what I was playing. Okay. Cool. No Kirby games. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. No. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll um, mention the game I was playing. Um, I think during the Kirby game, we said it came out, what, like around 1993 or so? I think it was around that time. That sounds about right, I th- knowing what I know of this game that you're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, you know, you mentioned how, like, there was a lot of other games happening at that time, mm-hmm. and I, th- I thought about the one that really stood out to me the most, um, and that was uh, Cybernator on the Super Nintendo yep. at the time. Um, it, pro- I mean, I already had the system, but I think this particular game was sort of one of the first games that led me down the dark path of console copiers for those systems back then. So, if you recall, and I think you have some experience with uh, these type of machines, too, mm-hmm. uh, Console Copier was sort of the, um, think of it almost like the precursor to what we refer to these days as like a flash card. Um, but rather than have a cartridge with flash memory in it that you can download ROMs to, this was uh, a unit that was powered, that you plugged into the cartridge slot of the machine, and it had memory internally. Um, probably DRAM, similar to what a computer would have. Um, but the games were loaded from floppy disk. Uh, you know, basically you had a ROM on a 1.44 meg floppy or, right. several, or several floppies. Well, uh, that, that was, yeah, because uh, most uh-huh. games didn't use just one floppy. Right, I mean, they were just, you know, they were larger than that. It's crazy. Um, and you would have to split the, the ROM across several floppies. And... And then it would load into the memory of the of the unit, and then once it was done, then, you know, the game came on as if it were the cartridge. So um, the downside to that was 
the game's on floppy, so if you want to play a game, it's not as quick. Like, you just pop your cartridge in and turn right. it on. Yeah. You gotta load the floppy disk, uh-huh. insert disk 2, insert disk 3, insert disk 4. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't super long. I mean, I felt like it was, like, maybe, like, a minute or two. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on, yeah, depending on the game. Mm-hmm. Usually no more than two minutes. Yeah. I mean, th- those are the initial ones, and then eventually there were uh, other, other units that could uh, load games from CD-ROM. They had CD-ROM mm-hmm. drives. Um, I know they made that for Super Nintendo and for N64, further down the line. Um, so yeah, these were these were basically the way that that cartridge-based uh, piracy was done um, for for consoles back then. So I mean, I, I saw this game Cybernator being de- like played on what my friend's machine. Um, I went over to his house and he had the game up, and I'm like, wow, this game looks pretty cool you know i mean this game like tapped directly into my fandom of like late 80s early 90s like mecha anime you know Mm -hmm. uh it had that feel of just an anime series that i had never watched before but you know i guess it was a story made up for this game but you know didn't tie into any existing uh series or anything like that but the game structure does make it feel like i just randomly tuned into you know episode five of just some mecha anime like action series you know um i mean right from the start there's like it's like as soon as you start playing the game even on the first mission a classic maneuver that was pretty much ripped right from a series like macross where basically your ship rams into this enemy colony and deploys several mechs and you know your mech being one of them the one that you play the game with and your mission is to get past, like, enemy cannons and mechs and, and make your way to, like, uh, some kind of generator, maybe, that's mm-hmm. inside the ship. Or, you know, it's, like, it's supposed to be some kind of enemy colony. Um, and that reminds me of, of, of a maneuver in Macross from, you know, or, you know, the Robotech anime, as it was known in, in the U.S., where basically the ship, uh, the SDF-1 <laughs> mm-hmm. in Macross, like, it's a massive ship um, and it's got, like what look like aircraft carriers for arms. It's that big, right? So in, in one maneuver, it would ram the arm into the enemy cruiser. And as the arm is like penetrating the hull of the enemy, like the, the arm would open up and like mechs would be deployed from inside in, into the enemy ship, like into the interior of the ship. So it had that right away. It had that appeal to me, you know, that, that sort of style of like, you know, creative sort of battles. It's not just ships firing at each other in space and blowing up and stuff. You had interesting tactical maneuvers like that Mm -hmm. happening. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of cool. It's, you know, your, your ship feels like it has weight to it. You know, your, your, your mech, you control, you know, I don't know how large it is, but let's say enemy figures, you see some humans running past your, your mech at, you know, while you're playing the game and they're up to about your knee. So that gives you about this, an idea of what the size is like. Um, you know, control is pretty simple. D-pad maneuvering. Um, you know, you have like a weapon select, you have uh, a jump maneuver, your, your mech can jump short distances. I mean, you can jump and then if you hold down the jump button, you can, um, you know, you fire some jets that give you some vertical lift, but even that's limited. You know, you can't just like boost indefinitely. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of to help you jump up to like the nearest level or just to assist with like, you know, midair maneuvering, things like that. 
Um, you know, you also have a shield that you can deploy. You have like a shield that you can put up to block enemy fire. Um, and you also got a, a dash maneuver where if you double tap forward, you'll you'll scoot fast across the ground, um, which is pretty useful. Um, it helps a lot with your melee attacks. So from the start, you have two attacks. You have um, a punching move that you can do, uh, which if you do that while you're dashing, it gives like an extra extra hit power against an enemy. You can a lot of times you can barrel through an enemy with one shot if you're if you're doing that. Um, and you've also got a, a Vulcan cannon, which uh, is just your basic pea shooter at, <laughs> to start with. Uh, but you can, you know, naturally you can upgrade it as you go along. Uh, you also find some other weapon, um, power-ups along the way. Uh, you find, um, things like a missile launcher. Um, you find, I believe, uh, a laser cannon at some point. Uh, and I think there was something called a napalm weapon. I think that was mentioned. I never did actually find that one. So, I mean, basically you have to sort of, you know, look around the levels a bit. Um, a lot of times there's only one opportunity to find this particular weapon. Oh, it's not like they drop it? It's not a frequent every... drop. Okay. It's like a specific a drop in a particular place. Huh. Yeah. Now, did you finish this? I did. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> Despite all the odds. Because yeah. it is a pretty tough game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you sort of feel like... Um, kind of the weight and the inertia that a mech would have. It's not a simple run-and-gun style game. This is a more deliberate type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like you can clear out the area around you, so this isn't... It's a little less video gamey in the sense that enemies don't just continuously respawn. You know, once you defeat an enemy, it's gone. So you can kind of take a more a sort of strategic approach on how you want to you know, deal with the enemies around you. You know, if you, especially if you want to explore, you can just clear a path to, to any areas that you haven't gotten to yet. Um, the, uh, the soundtrack for the game I thought was pretty good. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty nice even by like both Super Nintendo and Konami standards. These are typically, uh, a lot of Konami games of that era had really striking soundtracks. Um, but I really enjoyed this one. It starts off with like a great synth lead, um, and a lot of like rumbling timpani drums and, and things to let you know that an epic adventure story is underway, you know? Uh, but the, there are aspects of the soundtrack that I didn't like that much. Mm. The, um, the backing strings and the horn sounds are very, very warbly, very um very pitchy you could hmm. hear you could sort of hear the sampling loops oh well that's a problem with any a super nes right mm-hmm. yeah kind of it's that very sampled sounding instruments right like, like as the the pitch is changing the speed of the sample yeah. changes a little bit i know it sounds kind of mm-hmm. i don't know it doesn't sound right to me <laughs> yeah uh but uh, but otherwise it i think it was appropriate for the game mm-hmm. i mean it just gave you that epic sort of feeling to it um the story kind of tells this you know you start off with this introduction of of you know that you're a pilot 22 years old i guess uh named jake um you uh pilot an assault suit for the marine corps of the pacific states <laughs> And the fight is for fossil fuel and uh, rights to the moon. 
Um, and you fight not because it's a political cause that you believe in, but it's because you're a soldier, and that's what a soldier does. You know, you know who else? What other character fought for the Marines? Uh, who are you gonna say? The character from Amagon. <laughs> that's <laughs> really? his story too. <laughs> yeah. Really? So I see how this ties in. Oh, okay. That's, it's a it's a pleasant uh, overlap. He, he was a Marine who crashed on an island. Mm-hmm. All right, but go on. I don't want. Makes to perfect that. sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, so, I mean, this is pretty much a story of civil war among humans, or maybe not civil war, but it's definitely rival factions of humanity vying for, like, you know, resources, typical kind of a thing. Um, so there's no aliens or anything like that. This is all, like, based around Earth. Robots. A lot of robots. A lot of robots. (laughs) Um, yeah, and, and the great thing about the game, too, is that you know, it like just like like I said, it gives you that feeling of like an anime series. So there's a lot of variety in the style of mission. I mean, even though you're you're kind of controlling this plotting mech throughout most of um, you know throughout the whole game, really, um, your your objectives are are different for every mission. So you you're sort of given it's almost like an episode, and each each mission is sort mm-hmm. of like an episode of the show. Um, and so there's there's seven in all. Wow. Um, which uh, kind of sounds like a lot, but it moves fairly quickly. Uh, you know, I mean, assuming you're successful. <laughs> Are there boss characters, too? Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, pretty much the, there's, 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 some, there's always some big encounter at the end, some big objective that you have to get to. Um, sometimes there's some, like, mid-bosses along the way. Um, I mean, for example, like the first one I mentioned, uh, you have to sort of get through the ship to where this generator is being lifted up and there's like two robot arms that come down with laser cannons on mm-hmm. them and they're trying to stop you and you're, you're basically trying to destroy that generator uh, if you successfully do that it kind of just breaks apart well there's like two stages to it and you know you see the first part come off and you know you're making progress and if you do blow it up it it drops off the crane that's lifting it and it breaks through the bottom of the hull and that's your exit. As soon as, you know, as soon as you do that and you've completed the mission, you drop straight through the hole and the ship that delivered you in the beginning is right there to catch you at the end. And then you kind of zoom off. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the next one, the next, the next stage is, is completely different because you're no longer, this slow, like moving mech in, you know, in a, like a gravity type of environment. Now you're flying through space, pretty much. You're you're racing through an asteroid field, um, and there's like, you know, rocks and asteroids in your way, and there's enemy ships, and they're all firing at you. So it's pretty a pretty fast paced um, change of scenery very quickly. in, in this next one, um, there's like, uh, you know, uh, mobile artillery that you discover in the in, embedded in the rocks and that's kind of your objective for this mission um, so yeah this is where I picked up like the missile weapon mm-hmm. um, now these extra weapons that you find are also limited ammo uh, you don't get to fire them as much as you want unlike the Vulcan Cannon the Vulcan Cannon like regenerates ammo apparently um, but even that doesn't fire continuously it, it sort of so you, when you select the, the Vulcan, for example, you see like a sort of a meter at the top of the screen that indicates when you're able to fire. Oh, it has to warm, like cool down. Sort, uh, of, sort of. Well, it's it almost like it's on a cycle of some kind. So you see this line kind of moving, whether you're firing or not. Hmm. And 
you have you're able to fire shots as long as that line is there, and then as soon as the line disappears, you have to pause and reload. So it's almost like there's like a maybe like some kind of chain mechanism internally on the gun that has to f- loop around for you to be able to fire. Um, that's sort of the the impression that so I'm given. How would you attack enemies otherwise? Like, how did you find yourself mostly attacking enemies? Um, well, you want to definitely upgrade that cannon as quickly as possible. So initially, I started using the punch. <laughs> I found that to be super effective mm-hmm. right at the, you know from the beginning. Um, and what happens is a lot of times when you defeat enemies, they drop weapon power ups. So you'll if you're you know if you're using your melee attack, you're right on top of the enemy when you blow him up, and he'll drop he'll drop that power up for example that that upgrade that weapon upgrade. And when you pick up a weapon upgrade, it gets applied to whichever weapon you have equipped. So if you have if you know for example if you are punching him while he, while it drops you're going to upgrade your punch weapon. Um, but whereas, you know, you might want to apply to your Vulcan instead. So if you plan to upgrade the Vulcan cannon, you probably want to keep some distance away so you can defeat that enemy. He'll drop his power up and, uh, you know, then it'll get applied to the weapon. Now you also get upgrades from chests. There's like armored chests around the environment too. So <laughs> those you can plan for a little better. I think those you can just sort of destroy them and pick up, pick it up, um, and apply it to your cannon. Um, f- so the, at the end of the asteroid field is another kind of big um, enemy weapon that you want to destroy, and the punch is pretty much useless against that. You're going to have to use your cannon because there's a lot of uh, other like rocks with cannons embedded in them that are flying around this mm-hmm. thing. So you can't get close to it. You have to just pretty much fire from a distance. Um, so you want to make sure that your your weapon is adequately upgraded because you need that extra fire rate. As you upgrade, they get the weapon gets stronger, and the fire rate increases. So that's definitely um, a big help. Um, the so the variety continues. There's another <laughs> uh, in the following mission. You you have this giant asteroid that's got maybe some kind of. Um, I don't know, it looks like some kind of enemy base embedded in it. And you're told that, you know, you need to, um, de- you know, defeat this, this station because we want to open up um, the route to the, to the moon. You know, the lunar route needs to be made available. And uh, it's pretty cool because in this one, you know, you, uh, you, you get to a point where there's like, uh, sort of like, a, there's a lot of like little mini cutscenes that happen throughout the game too, you, mm-hmm. you know, where like a lot of story exposition occurs and a lot of communication from your crew also on the ship that deploys you, you know, like a lot of times they'll tell you what's going on. They'll tell you which way you have to go. Sometimes they'll update mission objectives while you're in the middle of a mission telling you you have to do something differently because conditions have changed or the battle has gone a certain way. Um, so in this one, you know, you're told like, like the enemy commander of this asteroid base um, decides that, you know, they can't win whatever they're currently doing. So what they're going to do is they're going to drop the asteroid on the earth (laughs) in order to, you know, to sort of, I don't know, I guess either, either as like a suicide mission or as uh, just a desperate attempt to try to, you know, to damage, um, you know, your, your side or your nation. Um, And this is another anime trope. (laughs) <laughs> this is another thing that happens a lot in different anime series. This happens. This happened in several Gundam series. The concept of the colony drop from Gundam. Oh. So in Gundam, you have 
a lot of space-based like co- human colonies. These are like artificial structures that have been built in near Earth orbit or something like that. And, you know, opposing forces have basically used the colony as a weapon. The colony itself has been slammed into the Earth. This has happened multiple times in the Gundam universe in different series. Um, so, yeah, this is generally considered a bad thing. Okay. Uh, you... In this one, you're, you know, as you make your way through the structure, you have to get to the outside and destroy the engines on the outside of this asteroid that are pushing the asteroid towards the Earth. And, of course, you're getting harassed by the mech, you know, like some large mech while you're trying to do that. And, uh, you know, if you destroy the engines, then, um, you know, the asteroid is diverted. It goes, like, a different way. Hmm. Um, but this is a point where, you know, the game does have some branching points. So it is possible to fail this mission and, you know, the storyline does change. So if you, uh, don't succeed at this mission, you are basically getting, going towards the bad ending in the game, (laughs) um, where, you know, this asteroid did crash into the earth and there's like side effects as a result of that. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I, I like the idea that, you know, they put some some alternate pathing mm-hmm. options in here. Um, but overall, the game has a lot of different type of environments. A lot. Sometimes you're underground in caves. Sometimes you're above ground and like, uh, in like a snowy type of environment. At one point you assault this base that's, uh, in the Alps, um, you know, in the mountains. Um, a lot of different type of enemies, a lot of different varieties of even boss characters with new abilities. Sometimes they're electrical based, sometimes they're dropping bombs and things like that. So uh, it's pretty cool once you get to the end. Um, it's an uh, interesting sort of change of scenery. Um, the background looks vaguely Eastern European, almost reminds me of like a Strider type of setting <laughs> a little bit. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know... It, the final battle is obviously what you would expect for something like this. A really big mech, basically. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting design because it almost has kind of like this this ex- exposed brain type of look. But meanwhile, it's, it's entirely like mechanized and it's a very mil- militaristically themed game. I mean, like all the designs look like they could be like what a futuristic 21st century or 22nd century kind of level of technology. So it's not like grotesque monsters. It's not aliens. It's not anything like that. It's like very like rooted in like a possible future. Are there any human beings at all or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see, I mean, your character, you see, you know, there's like a lot of cutscenes that happen. No, like in the action though. Like, do you ever, like, just plow down people and there's, like, blood everywhere? And... Well, it doesn't... It's not bloody, but there are there are some human figures. Mm-hmm. Like, in the like in the first stage, they're just scenery. You see, like, humans walking, like, yeah. running back and forth. I um, mean, you can't interact with them. But by the third stage, they have weapons and they can shoot at you. Okay. Um, and they don't do a lot of damage. They're just there as kind of a distraction. Uh, you mow them down very easily. Mm. Uh, I mean, one hit and they're they're done. But... Um, if there's too many of them, they, they become a nuisance, but, uh, generally they're not much of a threat really. Okay. But yeah, definitely. I mean, even in some cases they're, they're piloting vehicles and when you blow it up, you see them getting tossed out of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely 
uh, people around mm-hmm. in some way. Um, you know, various types of, of so missions here. This end boss, that head you talked about, is that the weak point? Uh, that is a point that you do have to end up destroying. Yeah. He also's got an arm and some other like cannons mounted on him. Mm. Um, it's a tar- it's a pretty hard fight. Um, you know, it's actually pretty challenging. I had to I had to replay it a couple of times to oh. get through it. Um, but you know, you I got I ended up getting the good ending for the game. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I guess I succeeded enough <laughs> that nice. I was able to get the good ending. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're pretty much given a little epilogue at the end of the, of the story. You're told that it's like, you know, it's the end of the war, you know, hopefully all the sacrifice has been for a good cause and, and, you know, and so on, that kind of a thing. Um, so the game is, uh, the producer credit on this game is Toshiro Tsushida. He has done um, other games for Messiah, which was the original developer for this game. Okay. Um, he's worked on... That name sounds familiar. What else do they make? Messiah? Yeah, they've done a lot do of... They, like other shoot-em-ups? Um, they've had several types of games, to their credit. A lot of them are shooters. Okay. Um, he's done some Ranma 1.5 titles for them. Ooh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, including okay. the Super Nintendo games and Yeesh. the PC Engine games. Uh-huh. Um uh, they also did, they also, I think they both also started the, uh, um, oh, Salt Lanos. All right. Mm-hmm. And I see, okay. Target Earth. Well, so yeah, this, so this is, this, this is interesting because Cybernator was the U S title for the, for the game, but in Japan it was called Assault Suit Vulcan. Mm. So Assault Suits Vulcan started off, um, as part of the Assault Suit Linos series which was brought to the U.S. as Target Earth for the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is uh, a lineage there, definitely a relationship um, between the two. And then wasn't Turrican also connected to um, I don't believe so, no. No, okay. no Turrican was... Like Turrican really started as an Amiga game. Mm-hmm. And that was... Um, it's got kind of a different, different origin. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was an Assault Suit Linos... Two on the Saturn mm. that came out in '97. This particular game came out in '93. Uh, or was this the last U.S. release port of the series? Um, I know it came out on PlayStation Two. Yeah, I don't know so, if it came out in America though. So uh, Assault Suits Linos Two came out on Saturn in Japan only, mm-hmm. and that was a '97 release. There was an Assault Suits Vulcan Two for PlayStation that came out in '99. That was also Japan only. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a different type of game. It was more of like a turn-based strategy game. It wasn't an action game like this. Um, I mean, even Target Earth is kind of really difficult. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a much different looking game than, than Cybernator was. Um, so this is, def- this is a definite improvement in the style, I think. <laughs> Uh, this game was, but Assault Suits Vulcan, basically the same game as Cybernator, was remade for the PlayStation 2. Um, and it was developed by x uh published by uh, NCS, who owned Messiah in the beginning. Um, this was released in Japan in 2004, and was not a good conversion, basically. It's basically a remake of this game. Wow, they remade it. They remade it for huh. PS2. Um, you know, more slightly more look HD-looking graphics, and 
um, a rearranged soundtrack, which does not capture the essence that this version did. So I would say overall, it's not a good version of the game to get. Hmm. Um, but overall, if you like games like Contra with like a little more sophistication to them and a little more complexity, yeah, and maybe a little more, you know, a little more story, I'd, I'd say this is worth trying out. But this is. Um, definitely a tough game. It's fairly easy to take damage in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you get the opportunity to upgrade weapons, uh, but you don't get any kind of shield upgrade. You do get refills. Like if your shield is taking a lot of damage, you can replenish it. But they're kind of they seem kind of rare to me. Um, so you never really feel like that strong in this game. I mean, you you know some of your weapons, especially the laser weapon, if you upgrade that fully, it's really great, <laughs> very mm-hmm. effective. Um, but again, limited shots on that. It's easy to use them all up. Um, so I would say definitely play it if uh, you know this is a, if you like mechs, if you like shooting action. Yeah, I mean, I, it's been about twenty years since I played this game, mm-hmm. and I remember it being well. It was Konami, and Konami still had a you know a really prestigious name to it mm-hmm. back then. So anything that came out was kind of like, oh, I gotta play the new Konami game. Mm-hmm. And it was um, not a big release. And it almost like kind of snuck through. Um, I remember, it, see, the problem was, I think the problem was in that time period, there were so many, it was it was the case of so many other games similar to that out on the market. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Contra 3, and that was really great. And I think Contra Hardcore was a little bit after that. But when you go from Contra 3 to that, like, it kind of felt a little bit like a downgrade to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Ranger X on Genesis, which I think came out, like, a month later or something. Right. And um, to me, that was a much better game, Ranger X, but mm-hmm. also a difficult game. So I remember Beside Rainier being good. I just remember, like, something about it not liking it that much. Like, it was clunky or it was, I don't know... Was there slowdown in the game or something? Um, or? I didn't detect any performance issues in the game in terms of slowdown or anything okay. like that. There's never really that much on the screen. The folk, the air, you know, the action is very much focused on you. Your 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 mech is fairly large, and your field of view is not that big. Um, I remember it being one of those hidden gems where like people mm-hmm. who who had it knew it was good, right? And like word of mouth spread, and their friends wanted it. But generally, like. It, it just it didn't have no, any personality because it was like these faceless, you know, mech suit things, yeah. and I, I could see that it kind of looked bland. And I almost felt like if if they kept with the Japanese style of like the art style and and kind of lore of the game, mm-hmm. that it might have been more popular than it was. Right? Yeah. I mean, you see some of the character designs in this a little bit, um, but they did remove some of that stuff for the U.S. version. Um, there was a little bit, there's, there were more character portraits that you could see in mm-hmm. a lot of the, the, you know, kind of the story in between, um, things. Uh, there's even some very graphic scene that was removed for the U S because of really? some, uh, yeah. I mean, there was one point where you kind of crash into the enemy headquarters uh-huh. and confront the enemy commander and he ends up like shooting himself. So nice. they ended up, uh, ruining that scene completely from uh, this <laughs> version of the game. But, I mean, just the variety, the amount of stuff that you can do in this game, I think it's pretty cool. The, the, the different kind of environments. Um, I mean, after you destroy that asteroid, you know, you're sort of falling back to Earth. And there's like a whole segment there where it's, it's, I mean, it's called atmosphere entry. So your, your ship is falling um, down, you know, to Earth from space, basically. And you're mm-hmm. heating up. And, all the, and there's like enemies trying to attack you, too. But meanwhile, everything's getting brighter and hotter and more red because you're like... 
you know, and the background's changing as you're falling closer uh, out of space and, you know, closer to the ground, you see like the mountains starting to come up a bit. Um, and, you know, you have to basically make sure you catch, make sure the ship catches you on the way down. You know, mm-hmm. Like your ship comes in, you have to land on the deck on the ship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in this, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things happening. Like I said, it's it's almost like, you know, I'm brought straight into this series, like just right from the middle. And uh, it's just seven episodes that you, know, you get to enjoy. So, yeah, I, I can see how it's like a little less straight action. Yeah. Um, but, you know. But you enjoy it. I, I think it was uh, definitely worth a visit. It's a game I should probably go back to one day. Mm-hmm. Because I think it just it was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And now I may enjoy it more, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm curious about um, the Saturn game. I don't know about the others, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I don't know too much about the import scene for, mm-hmm. for that stuff. So, yeah, uh, I would be curious to see the PlayStation Two and see mm-hmm. why it's so bad. Yeah, I always, I'm always curious about how they screw those things up. Uh, it was kind of a kind of a budget game, I think, for the time. Hmm. Yeah, but um, that wraps that up for me. I think. Cool. So, I guess we can get into some happenings, things that might have happened. Um, well, do you have anything? I picked up something this week. I wasn't sure if I was going to even mention oh, it. did you now? Yeah. Oh, let's hear uh, it. Well, I sort of did. So, <laughs> it's big news, though. This is going to, you know, you might want to stop the presses for this. All right. <laughs> I'm going to sit down for this one. Yeah. It's like, get yourself comfortable. Okay. I pre-ordered an Amiibo. What? <laughs> can you believe it? I can't believe it. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> well, wait a minute. An amiibo? One amiibo? Three amiibo. <laughs> Three amiibos. What's happened? Uh, I know. I know. I wasn't going to. And uh, the pre-orders went up this weekend for the Rob the Robot, the Duck Hunt characters, and mm-hmm. the Mr... Ball, whatever he is, from Mr. Game & Watch guy. Uh-huh. Okay. So, two Mr. of the Game three... Watch, yeah, yeah the, the Game & Watch character. Two of the three I liked, I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, really, only the one I was seriously looking to buy, and that was the Game & Watch guy. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in America, these are sold as a three-pack. You can't even buy them separate. Right. So, uh, the Rob I wanted, but I really wanted the Japanese version, because I like the colors better mm-hmm. on the Famicom. But, you know, whatever. I have, I still have my original Rob, so, you know, I'll probably keep that anyway. And then the Duck Hunt characters, I'm not really into. I'm not really into that game. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's like $35. So, um, I said to myself, if it's in the store, I'll buy it. You know, if, like, I wasn't going to wait online at 5 in the morning like some people do. And uh, I said if it's still available, I'll grab it. If not, you know, no loss. I have enough crap in my apartment already, you know. <laughs> I don't need more garbage, but... So you raced to GameStop at 9am, right? No, no, no. I, I I went at like, I think it was like 1 o'clock or something like that. 2 mm-hmm. o'clock, maybe. I went, I, I called them first, just before I left, because I want to waste my time. And I was like, you still taking pre-orders for this Amiibo thing? And they were like, yeah, come on right in, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your local shop had plenty... They of, had plenty on pre-order, yeah. Yeah, so they had enough and available. That was like... Uh, I think pre-order started at nine, but I went, you know, that was four hours later, five, no, five hours later. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. So I did, so I don't have them in hand, but I guess once I don't pre-order often anything. Right. 
This is unusual for me. Yeah, so I, I think when it comes in, they're going to call me, and then I go pay the rest of it and pick it up. I mm-hmm. think that's how it works. Right. Who? Whenever that they didn't even say when it was coming in, <laughs> but I think September maybe. I don't uh-huh. know. Okay. But whatever. I could always return them if I change my mind. It's like, right? Uh, you think. could, sure. Uh, or you know, it's like I, I'm like, oh, do I even need this? I don't know. Like, like I need more stuff. Well, you know, packages on a, on a wall somewhere. I mean, you don't have a Wii U, so it's not for the gameplay. No, yeah, value. it's just the Game and Watch guy. You know, it's like to me, they don't make Game and Watch stuff very often. Mm-hmm. So I figure, like, how often is there going to be a collectible based on the Game and Watch series? So right, this is really what I want. That's it. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, congrats. I think. <sighs> <laughs> All right. I still have to get that Pac-Man amiibo. Yeah, that should so, be still common enough, right? That, um, it's yeah. So they just haven't reshipped it, like whatever the initial shipments were. Mm-hmm. So I'm still waiting to see those as common figures right. on the wall. Right. But um, you might hear that as a pickup next weekend because mm. there's a sale this week on Amiibos. Really? <laughs> so. Hmm. We'll see. If I can get lucky and find it in a store, I'll probably buy it this Okay. Week. All right. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Great. Well, I guess after that pre-order, uh-huh. we uh, we took a trip, right? Yeah, yeah. Took a ride out to the Yestercades in New Jersey. That's right. In Red, Red Bank, Bank, New Jersey. Red Bank, New Jersey. It's a local arcade. Uh-huh. It's uh, about 90 minutes away for us, something like that. It's a bit of a trip. Yeah, it's at least 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we met up with our friends from Digital Press. Yeah. Um, a big crew of the uh, North Atlantic video game aficionados that's right <laughs> about 12 of us a bunch of, yeah a bunch headed over there yeah. for uh for a saturday evening so this is yesterday's is an arcade where you pay per hour mm-hmm. and um everything's on free play for that hour or however many hours you want to play there right it could get kind of pricey if you stay there long yeah. So, um, you know, judging on how many games you can hit. And qu- so it's almost benefits you to be bad at games because <laughs> if you're really good, you're going to play an hour on one game and then kind of not going to get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. So right. you want to kind of tackle the games that are kind of hard and I guess games that you can't comfortably play on MAME at home. Mm-hmm. So when I went in, the first thing I did was go for Tron. Right. And uh, that was working great. You know, Tron was played great. Um, something weird happened, and I don't know if I continued off someone else's game that they just left idle, and I started it, and I thought I started a new game, but um, I played, and I got up to round three, which I think is, it's called basic, maybe, mm-hmm. and I died, and then the game just reset back to the beginning. Hmm. So I might have continued, like, someone who started the game and then just walked away. I don't remember now. It could be. Um, I was looking forward to play Baby Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not a very popular game, but it's, like, the only Pac-Man game which I can play on MAME and at home. Right. So, I was really looking forward to that. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to go there. And that's because it's, uh, it's both a video game and a pinball machine. Yes. It's, like, a combo, weird combo unit. Right. It's neither good at either. Like, <laughs> it's not a great Pac-Man game, not a great pinball, but... It's something that... But it's unique. Yeah, and it's nostalgia, you know. I look mm-hmm. at it, I'm like, oh, I remember Baby Pac-Man when I was little. Right. So, uh, it was on their list of games that they were going to have. And they've had it there in the past. Like, I was there, I think, two years ago, and I played it then. But um, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. 
So it's kind of a little let down about that. Right. Yeah, they probably have to... They probably have more machines than they can fit in the arcade. So probably. They, so they probably have to they swap have them out decent every selection. now and then. Right. And then, who knows, maybe some machines, they need to be taken offline to be yeah. repaired. I would say we, um, we went on a Saturday, which is... Uh, I don't usually go on a weekend, so it was a little bit more crowded than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably more games out of order than I'm used to also. Usually, usually it's like 99% everything works. Yeah, I was disappointed to see, Mar- see Marvel Madness was offline. Yeah, yeah. Revolution X was offline. Mm-hmm. There was one other game, too, that mm-hmm. I usually play was, was not working. Right, but um, this was Die Hard Arcade was rough looking. I think that monitor was shot. Yeah, they had a night. Robotron's had a, monitor was shot. They had a Die Hard Arcade machine, which I I, I don't see that often really. And mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the the monitor was really uh, in bad shape on that one. A lot of colors were just wild colors, and yeah. not looking good at all. Uh, yeah, even the Robotron machine, which naturally I had to play. Yeah, and the contr- oh no, the controls on that were not good because I could not shoot diagonally mm-hmm. on the right control. It's hard, right? It was a little difficult. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what was up with the display on that one. It was strange. It wasn't. It was like blurry. It wasn't. Yeah, it was blurry, but also it looked a little bit. It, the image looked a little compressed, even. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like True. some of the pixels were missing. Yeah. From yeah, some yeah. Of the sprites. It was, yeah, it was almost like the resolution was it was lowered like, or yeah. something. <laughs> Strange. I didn't get that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This it's, it was just a weird day for for arcade games. It was a lot of stuff was seemingly malfunctioning or just not working right. Even the even the most recent even the, even a recent game, right? Like the Fix It Felix cabinet. They, yeah, they had a Fix It Felix, and I don't know. I, I mean, I I don't know if it was just me or what happened, but. I was playing, and I, got, I did the first level. I think I died once. And then the second level, I, I cleared it. I got to the top, and I fixed the last window. Mm-hmm. And the game... Um, no, it was, it, was af- it was the third level, because it was after you, you knock um, the guy off the building, mm-hmm. and you, know, you start the new level. So it was that level, and then I, I fixed the top window, and then the game just reset back to the title screen. And I was... And I, I, I don't know. I'm like, did I just miss something like <laughs> did i die like there was no bricks there to kill me i don't know what had just happened mm-hmm. and i didn't know if you caught it but you you turned, I think you turned away for a second so i didn't see it happen yeah so i don't know i'm very very bizarre mm-hmm. um i was busy filming your reaction yeah you, you did catch my reaction <laughs> didn't you? i think it's the second time when i played that game where like something weird happened mm-hmm uh, we played uh, the Space Invaders. Oh yeah, Space Invaders Two cocktail. It was Space Invaders Two, and it was basically you know we're we're on opposite ends of the play field, and we all have we both have our own set of invaders, but we can shoot each other's field mm-hmm. as well. So it's almost it's like, like, like a versus kind of yeah right. It's cool. I like that game. It's it's fun. I liked it. Um, the the odd thing was the controls were weird, right? It was like a little potentiometer. I like that control, yeah. It's like a little. What is that? What do you call that? Is it like? Is uh, it, it's like a. Yeah, it's like a lever that you just right. flip left or right. It's mm-hmm. not even buttons or controller. It's yeah. So the left and right it doesn't control, even click or anything. It's it wasn't just, a joystick. It was sort of like uh, yeah. It was almost like a potentiometer, but that was like self centering. Yeah. Right and and yeah and then, and then a fire button. Um, black and white game. Black and white. Yeah, yeah. Complete black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was neat. Uh, what else did we try? We did some co-op joust as usual. Yeah. Yeah. Joust played good. 
The one thing I noticed was weird was they had a Smash Brothers arcade cabinet. Oh, yeah. That looked like a custom, though. Yeah, it must have been. And it was funny because, and we I think we, I talked to Greg about this, and we're like, oh, they probably set up the Smash Brothers cabinet so people wouldn't hog up the... Because they have, like, home consoles set up, too. Like, right. little couches where you can play, like, Nintendo 64 and stuff. And it's like, well, they probably set, you know, this Smash Brothers machine so people aren't playing Smash Brothers on the TV all the time. Mm. And then we turn around and what's playing on the TV but Smash Brothers. Right. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. Why, why are they playing it there and not on the arcade machine? Definitely. Even, even in this arcade, three out of the four, like, big screens with consoles yep. set up were playing Nintendo games. Yeah. So, games that you can easily play in right. your own home. Yeah, I mean, I think what they do is they'll they'll take reservations for those those couches. People can come in and just have like a little sit oh, okay. down, like little mini party mm-hmm. just around. The yeah, TV. they have like board games too over there. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I played uh, Pac Man. Mm-hmm. I, I did not have a good game. I only made it up to the. I think it was the first, maybe the first uh, mashed potatoes, <laughs> or as some people like to call the bell. They the call it the mashed potato. <laughs> It was a mashed potato day, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else the Ms. Pac-Man was weird. It was I, I not... Play, I played a little Ms. Pac-Man. The controller was, was strange. It was had like a very springy movement the to it. The joystick, yeah, it was very sort of I've never used the resistant. controller like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that spring was ultra tight or something, I don't know. Yeah, I was uh, disappointed to not see a Dig Dug machine. Right, yeah, I don't think there was a Dig so, Dog, no. but, I, but I did play some Galaga. Uh, oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, I did okay. Okay. I kind of did okay, but I think... I, I'm surprised because a lot of the machines... I feel like a lot of the machines in this place are... Turn, the difficulty is turned up a bit, so that people, people aren't like sitting on the same machine mm. for too long. Because uh, even Defender, which is a notoriously oh, difficult game, brutal. It just seemed a little more aggressive <laughs> it, than usual. It did, I don't know. Maybe it's just... I mean, I, I played it recently. I played Defender a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I got to the... I died um, level two. I I'm normally I okay at Defender. I'm not I'm not a great player, but I, but I can last at least until me. wave five or six on a good game. Yeah. I mean, that's not great by any standard, but... It's better than me. But for me, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good enough. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Asteroids? How'd you do in that? I did okay. Yeah. I didn't see... I didn't find that did to be okay too bad. See, that I felt like the difficulty was turned down. Because mm-hmm. I was getting... You know when that little UFO comes out? The small one. Yeah, and I wasn't pointer. getting too many of the small ones. I was getting mostly the large ones, even yeah. on like the third or fourth stage, which mm. is usually by the second stage, you're getting all small UFOs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what was up with that. Yeah. Um, I, I did get the high score in Donkey Kong Jr. Hey. Did pretty well in that. Came out a winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I played much else. Mm-hmm. There was a couple more I wanted to play, but uh, we were there over an hour, and, you know, that kind of adds up, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, the the place does have a kind of an all-day pass, if you want, as well. True. Where you kind of pay one fee, for, and you could stay as long as you like, mm-hmm. where you're not really on the clock as much. But you really need to stay at least three or four hours to get the value out of that. Yeah. I feel. But we were Which, there just for kind of a shorter visit. Yeah, you can kind of do that. There's enough games, and they mostly all big titles, like big names, Zaxxon, and right. Yeah, I didn't really get a look at the back room because it was a kind of like a birthday yeah, party. Yeah, they had Rolling back Thunder there. back there, Zaxxon, Saints Hollow, 
um, hard driving, mm. which is not something you typically see often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played that last time we were there. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was good. It's good to stop in. We don't get to go that often. No, no. Very nice. Yeah. So, shall so we move on? What other news we have going on? Well, let's see. Now, believe it or not, the PS Vita is actually getting something new, which is surprising because you would think, well... Sony's all but abandoned. They the pretty poor. much, yeah. There's been some pretty good sales on the Vita. Poor you... little handheld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or PS TV for that matter. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this applies to PS TV as well. Um, it's uh, the article here says that it's starting August fourth. Uh, PS Vita and PS TV can now have access to the PlayStation game streaming feature of PS Now. Um, so now all. 125 plus games available on PS Now is now available via those systems as well. Yeah, I wonder how that plays since you're going through Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah, and it's it's I think a lot of times these game streaming features a lot of times they recommend, you know, you know, wired performances yeah. will give you better results than just the wireless. But since you're transmitting to a lower resolution screen, mm. Does that mean that they could transmit it at a lower bit rate, which Maybe. would be kind of quicker? I don't know. That sounds like it could be. Yeah. That sounds like that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, it's supposedly pretty uh, pretty good to see that, you know, they're they're getting they're adding something new. I thought it was available already. I can't believe that's not <laughs> surprisingly. I read that, I was right. like, wait, this wasn't that always available? Like why are you waiting so long? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, this... This is already on, in some TVs, right? Some, A lot of uh, the newer Sony Bravia TVs have that already. Even some Samsung TVs have added really? it as a feature. So, it was, yeah, surprising to see that that Samsung had incorporated this feature, yeah. and yet uh, Sony's own hmm. portable gaming device didn't have it yet. But I think they've, I guess, corrected that by now. Yeah, too bad the prices are priced out of control. Yeah, yeah, the service is still not... Very attractive on pricing to me, anyway. No. Um, now there's another uh, sort of PlayStation service <laughs> item here. Um, uh, PlayStation Plus is now five years old, hmm. and as sort of a, a gift to longtime subscribers and you know loyal people who have been there from the start. All uh, ten of them. <laughs> I can't can't imagine that how many people have have been there from the beginning. But basically, if you've been subscribed to PS Plus from the start since June twenty ninth two thousand ten, yeah, which is when amazing. it started, um, you're going to get uh, a special gift from Sony that is going to be a print, a personalized print, okay, with uh, basically your. Uh, you know, your achievements as a PS Plus member. That's it? <laughs> Xbox gave out a whole console. That's right, they did. <laughs> For the 10th anniversary of it's Xbox the Live, <laughs> they gave out, yeah, a whole three, a special edition console Jeez. to people who have been subscribed to Xbox Live for 10 years. But But this is only five years, so it's not worth a whole console yet. Yeah, but if you think about it, in order to achieve this, mm-hmm. you've had to buy the PlayStation at launch, which was like 600 And then on top of it, go into the PS Plus program, which 
I don't remember it back then. I don't know if it was as teacher. It's always been 58. Because you could always play online without PS Plus. So that was always like, you know. It was one less reason for people to have to get it. Yeah. So you would have to like opt in on that right away, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure not a lot of people did. Do you remember if the pricing was the same back then? Pretty sure. It was always been, it's always been, I think, 50 a year. So I don't know. That's a pretty big achievement for me. Mm hmm. Or to me. Yeah. (sighs) But I guess, you know, you get a nice little. Little trophy, I guess, a real world trophy for all your trophies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not going to be enough to keep you as a subscriber, I guess. Me, no. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Unless they do something like, you know, every five years, you like, regardless if you had it from the beginning or not. Mm-hmm. You know, people like sort of like you know, five years is like the silver award, and ten years is the the gold award. You know. 15 is the platinum, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And reward people that way. That's kind of cool, I guess, if they do that. Right. Because then I can be like, all right, well, I've had it, you know, two years, and in three more years, I'll get that print. And then hmm. that's that's an incentive to me to, to not... I think they're probably going to have to... They're probably going to have to up the prize at, at the 10-year mark. But what happens if you had it four years and then you let like one month go by like you forgot uh, to resubscribe yeah you probably don't make the cut you lost your job that month you know maybe that wasn't your first priority mm-hmm. and then you you know someone gave you it as a gift an extra year and then that that's it you lose i, I think so unfortunately or you, you, maybe you forgot to update your credit card and then when it went to renew <laughs> it canceled like then what i think you have to go to customer service if you're gonna okay. try to plead the case we'll see or is it just a timestamp where it says, member since, you know, 2010, regardless of if you had it ongoing or not? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I think this is just a nice perk. I don't think it should be your only reason for, for signing up. Mm-hmm. So there's another item that mm-hmm. looked interesting to me. And that is related to uh, SNK now. SNK Playmore, as they're known today, mm. these days. Makers of King of Fighters and... And Metal Slug and Art of Fighting and Fatal Magician Fury. Magician Lord. What Magician Lord, Magician Lord. Lord. Right. Did they ever make a sequel for that? I don't think so. Mm. I'm not, not aware of one anyway. Okay. Um, Cyberlip? Was that the only one? That's right. <laughs> that's one of their early Neo Geo releases. Um, but there's news that... The company's been acquired by a, Again? a Chinese investment group. Yeah, apparently so. Hmm. It's been, um, I don't know, very quietly, I guess. I didn't know that they were up for grabs. But Is it the same group that bought out um, Ouya? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't believe that's the case. That's too bad. Yeah, this is a company called Lado Millennium, hmm. and they paid... Hmm. $63.5 million to acquire a majority share. I think uh, 80% of the company. Probably not bad, because I mean, a complete Neo Geo collection (laughs) probably costs about that much, right? (laughs) You think? You have every single arcade machine and home release. Some of them get pretty pricey. Yeah. I don't know if it's seven figures pricey or eight figures pricey (laughs) in this case. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. They want to... Basically, you know, turn its franchises into mobile games. They already have that. They do already have that. They have that a pretty decent library. Mm-hmm. Um, they have that, uh, what's it called? Is it Kings of Fighter Dancing or something like that? There was something like that. Some kind of dancing fighting game, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but no, I see what they're going to do in China. And- yeah, I mean, this is this is. I don't know if this is for the Chinese market or if they plan to go more international with their plans. Mm. Uh, and you know, obviously, SNK in general has sort of, you know, sort of its fan following around the world. I mean, I'm sure people would be interested in seeing things continue. Um, but they want to go multimedia with this. They want to. It looks like this new investment group. Multimedia, like the Panasonic 3DO. <laughs> no, not quite. Um, they're saying here they want to follow the Marvel formula, if you believe it. Which means, you know, they want to take this this core IP mm-hmm. and branch it off into all these different comics and games and and um, you know have a presence on television and in movies and things like that and. I'm surprised that they would pick something like this to do it with. I didn't. I wasn't sure that it had that type of appeal, but it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Sengoku the movie is that what we're going to see? Uh, possibly. Yeah, I would like to see a you know like a manga series based on uh, Polestar, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, that would be exciting. You'd be that person. Yeah, <laughs> you want to see that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's. I guess we'll see more f- stuff from SNK. So in the does future. that affect any of their current stuff for sale? Like, I know they pulled a couple of their iOS apps, but I think it was right. because of um, the way it was programmed; it didn't meet specifications. Right. But what about um, like the Neo Geo Gold and stuff and all that? Mm, true. Do you know that. Well, that's some kind of weird because then that get pulled and then they they put it back on the market again. Uh, I don't think it ever actually got pulled. I think. Oh no. I think SNK was. Um, sort of questioning the contract that that they made with mm. the distributors of that particular system and they basically the you know the owners of that system said we made a deal fair and square we have a con- we have a wow. license and a property that we can use so they continue to sell it i don't think that's been pulled so all these companies are going away i heard capcom's for sale too now uh that was that was a rumor I think. oh yeah yeah so well, that was like from a year ago uh, they're probably for sale I'm sure if you made them the right, <laughs> the right price, yeah, everything's everything has a price, right? <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, maybe that'll happen with Konami. Who knows? Because Konami is looking like it's a unpleasant place to be at the moment. So we hear. I've heard a lot of weird stories lately about working at mm-hmm. Konami. Yeah. So. Obviously, we've talked about it before, where Konami seems to be shifting away from traditional video games and mm-hmm. is focusing more on, you know, either their parlor games or Which I think their... that's where they got their start. I think they always were doing that. Mm-hmm. And they just jumped into video games once that got hot. But now mm-hmm. they're just going to stick with mobile games. Yeah. So those are quick cash grabs, I guess. Um, yeah, so I, a lot of people have sort of speculated that back in 2010 they they made a game called Dragon Collection a mobile game which was hugely successful and you know didn't cost them that much and we we thought that this was the case too that it's basically a low cost game that brings in a lot of money uh became a very sort of um you know they they saw that as like a viable business plan that they could say well let's let's not we can we can flood the market with very inexpensive games to make and hopefully see a huge return on them rather than put all our money into hugely expensive big productions like like a Metal Gear game yeah. which uh, was rumored to, to cost more than 80 million dollars oh for the most recent mm-hmm. game currently in development 
Hey, it's a lot of money. So, so what's happening at the company is that they're they're realigning a lot of their internal resources to fit this new business plan, and um, they're they're kind of making it, I think, very uncomfortable for a lot of the longtime employees that have been there. I think this is what happens in Japanese business, right? Where, yeah. where, you know, you I've always heard this. I've always been given this impression that you know Japanese company once you work there you're kind of there for life mm-hmm. that they sort of um, they very rarely have any kind of uh, staff reduction or firings or yeah. anything like it's that it's not like America where if you stay in a job more than four years you're mm-hmm. considered undesirable at that point right right you're almost part of a family yeah. with, with a Japanese company and um, but you know when something like this occurs where the company is going through some rapid internal change uh-huh. You know, they don't just say, we don't need these people anymore. Let's just get rid of them. What they do is they just make conditions very hostile and uncomfortable. I guess they uncomfortable. hope that you would be, like, quit or something? Yeah, I think, I think that's what they're looking to do. Um, because they mention things like um, people getting reassigned to jobs internally where, you know, you might have had a job in game development, but now you're a worker in a pachinko slot kind of... Uh, you know, yeah, which would be, you're, you're working in a factory suddenly, mm. where they're like, "Well, we still have a job for you. It might not be the job that you came in for, and it might not they be." They do that in plenty of American companies too, sure. all the time. Oh yeah, if, if I mean, rather so than let you go, like, I guess yeah. they'll just bust your chops until <laughs> right. you either quit or you get fired. Somehow. Right, or you get reassigned to be a security guard. Yeah, you know things like that. I mean, so what they're doing there doesn't sound too outlandish as at any other corporation. Does. Well, they're saying here they've got cameras in place to watch people coming and going. With a like, lot of jobs, do that too. They do, but to the point where they're trying to like they make you punch in and out for lunch where they previously might not have had that level of scrutiny. Almost every job I've worked at does that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't done it in the past, but that's just. How about this Corporate though? Culture now. How about this? If you're late, if you if you if you stay out for lunch too long, and who knows what too long means? Too long and might don't mean know what that means. might mean it might mean more than fifteen minutes or yeah, something. Maybe. Who knows? Okay. Um, that happens? that basically they'll you have to what they'll shame you. They'll basically they put your name Stand out in the corner. They'll put your name out in the company that you took too long for lunch. And shouldn't people that be sounds- celebrating that? <laughs> I'd be like, good for him. So maybe you'd fit right in. Maybe maybe Konami has a place for you. Thinking about it? <laughs> You're going to think I'll about it? I'll send them my resume. All right. Yeah, maybe there is something to that. I'll tell them I'm really good at Contra. I know the code. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> talked about Cybernator this week. I'll tell them. You're going to wear your Konami Code t-shirt when you go in for the interview? <laughs> That's right. Um, uh-huh. you know, I won't keep it all positive, of course. I don't want to sound like a, you know cheerleader for the company but. right alright weird stuff I don't know we'll see where they end up but uh, there was another item related to Konami that they are licensing out one of their games or one of their properties to Nintendo um, there's a series called Momotaro Dentetsu mm. in Japan a favorite of mine yeah <laughs> Um, this is this is a uh, sort of like a board game type of game. This is sort of like a Monopoly type of game. Um, right. It involves some kind of you know a lot of anime characters mm-hmm. um, related to like this train conductor. It's like it's dentetsu means like railway in Japanese. Okay. So this is related to that in some way. This is a long running series. There have been a ton of games in this really? series, all going back to the Famicom, wow. and it's been on everything. Holy cow! 
Now, Konami recently had a very public split with the longtime producer of this series. Yeah. Um, he basically said, I'm, not, I'm done. I'm not making these games anymore. Um, <clears throat> I think this game, these games might have started with uh, Hudson Soft, actually. Oh, okay. So this is kind of an acquisition that, that Konami had made. So these characters might be if all the Bombermen took their masks off. <laughs> this is what you would have, these guys? I don't know, maybe. Okay. It would be very strange if that this was the This is the only case. way I can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is that basically they're, they're, allowing, they're going to allow Nintendo to make a new game in this franchise. So they're giving them the, like, go ahead and say, here, you, you deal with it. They're licensing it out to yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, like what Sega has done. and mm-hmm. uh, Didn't Capcom do that, too? Uh, well, they did Zelda, right? I don't know. I think Nintendo gave it to Capcom to well, do they, they one of the Zelda games. They they had worked on the Game Boy Color Zelda yeah. games, the the seasons games. Yeah, but that was just a work for hire project, oh, basically. Okay. It was like a they they based, but Nintendo still retained control of of the. Of, so of the again, games. this doesn't sound like anything like unusual. Or, well, right. The, the unusual thing, I think, it's not it's not unusual that it's happening, but basically, I, I suppose because Konami is not actively going to be pursuing any of their old games anymore, mm. they're allowing Nintendo to make a game in their franchise. It might actually be good this time. Could be. <laughs> Who knows? And Nintendo might bring it even here. There's a demand for it, right? Ah, uh, yeah. This, this game seems very Japanese oh, to me. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, I'd say that's pretty, that's a long shot. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. But at least, you know, at least Konami's willing to work with partners mm-hmm. on some of their old games. So maybe, maybe if Momotaro Dentetsu is not to your taste, then hopefully, maybe down the road, Silent Hill might come out from, an, mm-hmm. from another publisher. We can only hope. <laughs> I, heard, I heard they're making a Silent Hill slot machine. Really? Yeah. You gotta get three pyramid heads in a row? Or maybe. five? So that's the sad state of where Silent Hill Silent is these days. Hills. You know what would be good is if every time you lose, it screams or something. <laughs> it cries. That'll bring people to the casino, right? <laughs> yeah. That'll keep them I want to hear a, a, a moaning woman and a screaming baby every time you don't get, like, five right. pyramid heads or something. And then a giant sword comes out when <laughs> yeah. you don't pay anymore. Something horrible like that. Sounds like a good slot machine. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, how about how about a dual analog controller for your NES? Is that something you've been looking for? Um, wait a minute. There is no analog controls on NES. I know it's digital only. There isn't unless you play Arkanoid. That's right. And yet, there's uh, a new controller that's been launched on Kickstarter. Okay. I there's not even any dual stick game. Like there's only two buttons on the NES. So what would be the second stick for? Um, well, I think basically it's 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 for you to use whichever setup is useful for you. I mean that's mm. that's kind of the idea here. Um, you know, if you are playing a game where you'd rather have a thumbstick as opposed to a D-pad, you can use that instead. Um, so this is this is a new controller. It's called Retro Fighters. Um, There's not even fighting games on the NES. Not really. There's Double Dragon fighting there's like a fighting mode in that mm-hmm. it's really not much however this controller it does have usb a usb connector so mm. you can use it on a pc for example okay. or any other system that might have a usb mm. input uh and it additionally will have the nes style connector as yeah, well that seems kind of lame <laughs> 
Um, the, the look of it's kind of nice, though. It I looks like nice. It. It's got it's got the, the the AB face button, yeah, as well as like turbo buttons to go along with it. So those are arranged in kind of a diamond configuration. Um, it's got a D-pad up to the upper left. It's a cross D-pad. It's not even the round type. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with two, like, thumbsticks in the center. Mm-hmm. Sort of PlayStation style. Right. And it's also got, looks like, four trigger buttons as well. It's so. very similar to the Ouya controller. Very lo- similar in, like, the overall shape. It doesn't look like the Ouya controller, but the shape of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good control. I still think it's a good controller, but... Most people won't, won't agree with me. <laughs> but it looks like they copied that mold a little bit. Uh, a little. Yeah. It looks like it's a little more rubberized, maybe. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is up on Kickstarter now. So far, mm. as of the last time I checked, they had 21 days to go. Yeah. Uh, 51 backers with a $12,000 goal that they had only 2000 pledged so far. Yikes. All right, so they got a long way to go. So, yeah, still three weeks left. Well, you know what it is? I think the, there's a lot of issues with this controller, I see. Mm-hmm. For instance, the, the buttons are on a very steep angle, like almost a almost 45-degree angle, maybe more. Mm. Right. But pointing the wrong way, that like a nat, not your natural thumb where your thumb would be on it. And then also the turbo buttons are underneath the main buttons. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have your B and A buttons and underneath are the turbos, and it's like... If you use the NES Max controller, it's the same layout, but the the Max had the turbos above it. That makes more sense to me. To have it above it, because then you accidentally right. might press them. So that, to me, would be a reason not to want that controller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Right, so... I mean, there's a lot of controllers on the market to choose from, so I don't even know if we even need uh, this thing. Yeah, I don't really. It's already kind see, of a flooded market. I don't really see that much appeal to it. And the to NES be thing is kind of useless. There's no point in that at all. Yeah, I guess for some reason you might want something like this on the NES. I don't know. I was never a big fan of the NES controller, so no, uh, an alternative doesn't seem unreasonable to me. But mm-hmm. but there you have it. If you feel like you need a better one have a look at this and maybe it's appealing i don't know (laughs) so there's that okay uh so i guess we can you know when it comes down to it i need to have it in my hand and give it the test Uh, test. but that would have that would mean it would have to be successfully funded and actually manufactured for Mm. you to to give it that, that test Okay. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Another Kickstarter that you're not no. joining on. No. Okay. Fair enough. So what else did we have? Any last bit of feedback that we wanted to drill into? Uh, I think we did have one this. Week. We had a f- one or two. Let's see. This one comes from Greg Izzy. What a surprise! Yeah. I think it was on our last episode in response to. Mm-hmm. He says uh, $20 for a digital game doesn't sit well with him. He said no movie is $20, $20 digitally. So he makes the comparison so, yeah. to a digital download for a film, for example. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we talked about uh, indie games being too expensive at $20. Right. So, um, interesting. Interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you, know, you kind of wonder what the state of gamers thinking, but yeah. um, who knows? Uh, he also said that he he hasn't heard of that Game Gear LCD, but the McWill mod mm-hmm. by Marco in Germany is the current rage on Atari Age. He has his links and Game Gear modded with it. He said it's great, but it's very expensive. Mm. So I haven't followed Atari Age forums in a while, but it seems like a lot of interesting things are coming out of there. Yeah, it seems to be the breeding ground for yeah. a lot of these. Uh... I remember what the, I gave up on them because it seemed like a, a dead forum. Like I felt like no one was posting anymore, so that's why I stopped mm-hmm. visiting them. But apparently, it's alive again, still going. And I don't know who this McWill character is, but <laughs> I guess this this thing sounds pretty good. He's a character. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's the name of the mod. It is by Marco in Germany. So who knows? Who knows what the relationship is? Don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, if, if, you know, a lot of times these are expensive uh, kits, but if you're just looking for the best possible results on your handhelds, this is this is one way to go. What was the Afterburner kit on... That was GBA, right? That was Game, was that a whole, Game Boy Advance, yeah. Was that a whole screen change or just light? No, that was just a, 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 lamp a, a filter, kind of a, a, a film that you oh, okay. layered on top of your, hmm. your LCD... Uh, so it was more of a, I guess, uh, was it a backlight? I don't know. I guess not. I guess it was like a front light. Because it, it was laid over the top of your screen. It was, screen. but it was under, it was in the unit. I know you had to do some, like, taking it apart and... It was like a film that you had to sort of layer on top. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was okay for the time, but once the GBA SP came out, that kind of made that yeah. unnecessary. Have you modded any of your... Handhelds? Not with LCD replacements. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would bother. Personally. Um. Yeah. I mean, part of me wants to see the improvements and, want, and is curious, curious to see to what, out. Yeah. what it looks like. So I might ask Greg to to bring one of those. I know. In I do want to ask him to see it and, and see what it looks like in person. But but on the other on the other hand, some part of me wants to keep the unit stock because oh. if I do want to play these things portably, I could use. I could use any number of so other things. Do you things. feel that altering the machine in that way actually hurts the value of that console um, since it's not original anymore? I'm not looking at it from a value standpoint. I'm looking at it from a uh, retro experience point of view. Like, if I want to be able to pick up a Turbo Express and see what it was like to use one of those when mm-hmm. they came out, I kind of want to preserve what that original mm-hmm. sort of quality was. Um I feel like I could, you know, load up an emulator on my, like, NVIDIA Shield or sure, yeah. or on my PSP if I wanted a better screen for some uh-huh. of these older games, you know. But uh, granted, that's not original hardware, and I'm not necessarily playing the game. You know, the game's only as good as the emulation in those situations, but... Good point. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I had an extra unit, maybe if I had a faulty unit that, mm. that didn't work right. Right, or a screen that was going bad or something. True. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, okay. you know, something like that might be a good candidate. Huh. You know what would really be bad? If you pay to upgrade the screen, and then like a month later, you know, a capacitor dies or something in it. <laughs> well, luckily there's fixes for those, too. Oh, good. Yeah. A lot of people are having having their machines uh, proactively recapped, even if there's nothing wrong with it. Reca- that's like the new buzzword now, recapping. Recapping, yeah. And it, doesn't, has- and it doesn't mean summarizing. <laughs> it, it means going in and replacing... 
capacitors, capacitors that are good, that, that are, are known mm. to be bad batches that are known to go bad over time. Mm. Um, so yeah, because they use cheap parts. They just used yeah. They had whatever. Fa- certain factories just didn't produce good parts. So yeah, that's definitely something. Even though it's a solid state system, and it wasn't. This isn't mechanical wear. This is just like electrolytes failing or something like that in in some of the electronic components. Hmm. Electrolytes are good for you. <laughs> I mean, Gatorade. That's what the plants crave. Exactly right. Oh, all right. Maybe with that, we'll we'll check out for the day. Okay. Thanks for listening, and uh, you can email us at obbfeedback at gmail dot com, or check us out on Facebook at our Brooklyn Bites, and please send us any messages. We will most likely read them on the air. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And until next week. See you then. Thank you.